so I was like, what? What did this guy do? So I followed him all the way to his neighborhood. And finally, he pulled over, got out of the car. I was like, what? What are you following me for? What? What? Welcome back to Drive With Us. I'm Bob Neat. And I'm Taryn G. And this is our first episode of season two. Woo! i'm just so excited that was a yeah legit excitement (laughs) we're super excited for this season because we're going to be bringing on a new guest every episode to talk about the crazy things they've experienced on the road who they are as drivers and how they became the driver that they are today and today we are joined by scott jones a minister and podcaster who hosts two podcasts give and take and the atlas project And we couldn't have chosen a more perfect first guest because he has some crazy stories to share with us, especially his curse with Volkswagens. So without further ado, here's Scott. Before we get started, we just want to note that we are testing out new remote recording platforms, and because of that, the audio quality for our first couple of episodes may vary slightly. So we appreciate your patience as we are learning and figuring everything out. And now to the show. Thanks for joining us today. We're super excited to talk to you about your crazy, interesting driving experiences. I am thrilled to be here and looking forward to sharing with you two. This is one of the most interesting podcast topics and subjects I've heard of in a a while. So I'm excited. Let's get started with having you introduce yourself and letting our listeners get to know a little bit about you. My name is Scott Jones. I am a a minister and a podcaster. Um, Right now, I'm not serving a church, but I've served churches for a while and got into podcasting a few years ago. And now I do kind of, it's part of what I'm doing most of the time. I do a lot of freelance podcasting work for other people. I do my own podcasts. And yeah, so if somebody's looking to set up a podcast, I can help them with it creatively, technically, on the creative content end, on the platform end, whatever you need. I am your guy. And I do several podcasts, but probably the two that are most listened to right now are Give and Take, which is a long form interview podcast where I have all sorts of like authors, activists, political pundits, journalists, all sorts of people on that to just talk about their work and their lives. And I do another one called The Atlas Project with my friend Chris, who is a political scientist in London. And we talk about, it's kind of the 500 mile kind of take above the headlines uh, about what's important in our culture and politics and economics and science and society and things like that. So yeah, I am uh, I do a lot of talking, but I don't do a ton of guesting on podcasts. In fact, uh, when friends ask me, I, I usually tell them, ah, I don't know if you want me as a guest, I'm more of a host. But I was so intrigued by your invitation. I was like, these ladies have such an interesting show that I have to go on it. We are super excited that you decided to join us. I'm thrilled. We love starting off with this question, especially since our show is about the wild and crazy driving stories. What would you say is the craziest thing that you have seen while on the road? I can tell you this is really easy. When I was in college, my freshman year, freshman year, I think, yeah, we wanted to go uh, to Florida for spring break and none of us had a car. So we rented or we, we basically rented our buddy's car. We came up with $400. We rented this like 1970s uh, uh, VW Rabbit, 1980, early 80s Volkswagen Rabbit, right? So we 
we we uh, drive it to uh, we we start driving. We go to my house in New Jersey to sort of uh, set up shop and spend the night. We're going to leave out in the morning. Uh, my it was this was like the blizzard of 1992 or whatever 1993. My parents said you're not going anywhere, so we snuck out of the house in the middle of the night and we just drove anyway. And so it was crazy. It was so crazy driving. I mean, it was it was like we felt like we were on a bot like a like a bobsledding thing because there was so much snow and ice on the sides of the roads and stuff. So we drove. Uh, we made it all the way to Virginia and we spent the night with some buddies there. And the next day we started driving again, and the car like totally like blew up. Right, like. We we pulled into the um into the uh gas we pulled into this rest stop and it was like smoking uh it, I mean it, like we it, I had the windshield wipers on to clear the smoke I thought that would work which it didn't <laughs> my buddy's like just takes the motor oil and throws it on the engine thinking that would help so okay so the car is totaled right so we go then so we're caught in Rocky Mount North Carolina and we don't know what to do like we we have a few hundred bucks so we actually wind up going to this used car place and we find another volkswagen rabbit <laughs> so we we buy this rabbit we drive that off the lot and like all right we're going to florida baby we get that like two miles out that blows up so the guy we return it and the guy like gives us we, we argue with this guy he eventually winds up giving us our money back i think and so then we're like we're still stranded so we're walking the streets of rocky mountain north carolina and we see this volkswagen bug right and we just go and knock on the door and ask the guy if he would give it to us for like three hundred dollars <laughs> And he did. And he did. Wow. So so we're like, all right, we're back, baby. We're back. So we start driving. And that that makes it all the way. We make it all the way to the Florida border. Uh, the bo- we make it, we're like 20 miles away from Florida. We're like, we're going to Florida, baby. We had this sign in the window. Florida or bust. Probably bust. Uh, it was so awful. And then so the, that car blew up. <laughs> so maybe don't go Volkswagen. Right. I know. I don't know why we're We should have got a Honda. We'd have been fine. So we're three cars down. And we're just like, like, just, just we're at a rest stop, and we don't know what the hell to do. So my buddies both go home, and I had a, I was dating a girl who was in Florida, and so I just went and spent and, and hung out with her. So I made it to Florida eventually. I took a bus. We all took buses different places, and so I actually made it. But then when we got home. This guy was really that we blew his car up. We're like, well, you give us this car. What do you expect? So we didn't know what. To, and there were so many like there, there's so many parts of the story that I'm forgetting because it's happened like so many years ago. But I just remember this one guy who was a real tall, kind of dignified looking African American gentleman, and we were looking. We were asking directions, and he just turns to us and he goes, "All right, so you make a right at fast gas." Like yeah, this interest. So there are all these people like cops we met that were interesting, like people we met that were interesting. People we bought the car from. Like, it was crazy. So we had to come up with money when we got back because the guy, this guy, Bert, wanted his car. So what we did is we just went around and told the story and passed a hat around. And people would give us money to tell the story. So we so we did that like three times in different dorm rooms and we raised enough money to pay off the car. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So that was like, we blew up three cars on one spring break trip. It was pretty unbelievable. Would you do something like that again? Uh, I I would do something adventurous again, sure. But I mean, I don't like that. Blow up well, car? I mean, I, I, it's not like I, I set out like to to, to to be the guy who blew up three cars. I mean, that was not the intention of the trip. We imagined we would, you know, put on suntan lotion and hang out and meet lovely ladies and all that sort of stuff. But unbeknownst to us, other plans, uh, other things unfolded, and we wound up, you know, kind of. It, I mean, it was so crazy. It was the craziest trip. I mean, it was unbelievable. So that was it. Was it was really it was really like. 
at fascinating driving stories. A lot of time in a car punctuated by times where we were just like, what are we going to do? <laughs> we were like stranded places. And then again, like we had this will to go on, which is so strange. Like we, we found the kind of energy and will to go on, which is the crazy thing. Yeah, and the fact that the person just gave you their Volkswagen bug, like you just knocked on their door. I just offered them a few hundred bucks and I'm like, sure, you can have it. Wow. <laughs> were they the ones that were mad that the car blew up? No, it was the first guy from our college who was mad. Oh. We rented his car and, and like, and he like, because none of us had a car at the time. And so we were like, he was kind of. How did your mom find out and did she get mad? And they weren't thrilled. <laughs> they weren't thrilled with it. I mean, you know, eventually I, I told her what we did. I mean, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. The whole thing was insane. So then how'd you get back? I went back with my girlfriend and her p- family. Oh, okay. They were down in Florida. So, yeah. No more crazy car blow-ups on the way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, they were, no, they were fine. No, that was uneventful. <laughs> Maybe you needed an uneventful trip back after the trip down. Yeah, the trip back, I was ready for some uneventfulness, needless to say. Yeah, it was a pretty stressful kind of time. Yeah, I would say. A lot of driving. A lot of driving and a lot of sitting. So there are typically stereotypes that are associated with drivers of different areas, like Maryland and Pennsylvania drivers have very particular opinions about drivers of the other state and their driving abilities. So in your city or state, are there any stereotypes that are associated with drivers of your area? Yeah, I think Philadelphia is... So first up, what I've noticed is over the past decades, we've become a honking city, a lot of honking, a lot of frustration. I mean, Philadelphia, like most big northeastern cities, everyone's in a hurry. And so you, you know, you people, you know, honk and get frustrated. I think people, there's a lot of, there are a lot of aggressive drivers in Philly. And also, I think people from Philly get so when people can't merge, you know, because people that can't merge, you know, people get frustrated and irritated. And so I think like if you're driving in Philly, you've got to know how to merge or you're not going to be successful. People will just like honk and give you the finger and, and curse at you. I mean, people, I mean, I feel like it's a great city. I mean, it, it, it's a, it is a wonderful place, but on another level, people can get a little irritable sometimes. Yeah, we did drive up to Philly once and it was an experience. I'll just say that. But Philly is not that close to the Maryland border, so I don't know how often you drive into Maryland, but the Maryland perspective is that Pennsylvania drivers don't know how to drive. But Pennsylvania drivers probably think that Maryland drivers don't know how to drive. Yeah, it's a hate relationship. Yeah, again, I think uh, Philly drivers are aggressive, as are New Jersey drivers. You know, like, I mean, I I think it's interesting because you would think that the density of the area would make people more careful. But I think it's strange. People are more aggressive. Yeah, I feel like city drivers tend to have a more different way of driving as opposed to someone who's more out, like in a town or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you have to be able to parallel park, Yeah. right? Like, I mean, parallel parking is like in my blood. Like, it doesn't stress me out at all. Um, but I have friends who grew up in non-urban areas and parallel parking stresses them out totally. I'm like, oh, it's, I love parallel parking. I haven't heard anyone say they love parallel parking before. Oh, that's, that's fun. Oh, gosh. The thrill of the parallel park, when you get, especially when you get it right on the vision art, you got to get close enough to the car and far enough in front of the car in front of you. Like, you got to kind of go halfway up. And then when you execute it seamlessly, oh, it's so satisfying. I find it totally gratifying. Yeah, I wouldn't say I love it, but I can do it. 
Well, you have to be able to do it to get your license. Apparently not anymore. I don't know if Marilyn brought it back, but at one point they got rid of it. So I don't know. I'm scared for the people who got their license at that time. Yeah, I, I mean, who could not? Who uh, the the joy of the of the perfectly executed parallel park? It's it's pure ex. <laughs> I've never heard that description of parallel parking, but okay. Well, you've never parallel parked with the right person before. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> Now that we've heard this crazy wild story and your love for parallel parking, let's get to know what type of driver you are. Are you the type of person who loves driving or would rather be a passenger? I'd rather be a passenger or be on public transit. Yeah, I, I don't I don't love driving. I mean, I, I don't loathe it, but um, the last relationship I was in, she loved to drive and I was totally content for her to drive all the time. Like I did not mind that in the least and like I said, normally, I mean, if I could take public transit, I will do it, like a train or something, because I just love to relax and like read and stuff. So I think like, although I will say with the advent of podcasts and satellite radio and stuff like that, driving is a little better because you can choose the content you're listening to. You have a lot more freedom. You're not chained to local radio stations. So I think that is is made driving more uh, more enjoyable. But I don't love, I don't like... I don't loathe it, but I just don't love it. Like, I'm totally content to be the passenger. Have you ever been a passenger in a car where you were like, I shouldn't have gotten? Oh, yeah. Oh, lots, lots of times. One of the, yeah, I remember one time, the, the, the guy, one of the guys I went, one of my college roommates, one of the guys I went to the spring break trip with, uh, a couple years after that, he brought his car to campus, and it was this Volvo, and it was all tricked out. And he had like writing on the car. It said, there is no other. And like it had tinted windows. He had a big subwoofer in it and stuff. And we went out to this dance club and it was an icy night. And we were coming back and I was in the backseat of the car. And we were like hydroplaning on the ice. And he is hitting the steering wheel like it's a video game going, get off the guardrail. Get off the guardrail. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> like Drew, this isn't a video game. Like, oh my god, we could die here. So yeah, yeah, that that freaked me out a little bit. Is he better now? Yeah, we haven't talked in a little while. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure he's not a calm driver now. I mean, I, I don't, unless he got a personality transplant, <laughs> uh, which you know, I don't know that they're doing that yet. So I really think he's probably the same driver. At age, though, I mean, maybe the testosterone level goes down a little bit. Maybe he's a little calmer, but uh, I would, you know, I would guess he's probably a, still a little on the zany and crazy side. How would you describe the type of driver you are? And would your family and friends describe your driving the same way? I think I am like, there are times I drive a little fast, but not all the time, especially if someone else is in the car with me. I'm usually talking with them and pretty like chill as a driver. I mean, I think I'm, you know, yeah, I think I, if I'm by myself, I think I tend to drive a little on the fast side. If I'm with somebody, I don't. If I'm with somebody, I'm a pretty calm and conventional driver. And I think people would agree with that. In fact, the calm and conventional thing is from people that I've been, you know, in relationships with and things like that. They're like, sometimes I almost drive like an old man because I'm so dialed into the conversation with who I'm with. Well, that's great that you don't change your style of driving depending on who's in your car. I don't. No, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. So this next question comes from our personal experience. We've had a lot of situations where we felt like we should have honked at the other person, but we didn't. And you mentioned that in Philadelphia, honking is a big thing. Are you the type of person who tends to honk in situations? 
No, 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 no. I think I I save the horn for communication purposes. Like I don't express myself with the horn. I I I only honk if it if there's say like a biker or something swerving into a lane, and I want to alert them that they're swerving or something like that. I I am very much against the horn being used as a means of self-expression. I think that's like so taboo. I think you should only use the horn when you are when when it's like for safety reasons, right? When somebody's gonna needs to be alerted to you know to dangers that are coming, you know, or happening or things like that. I think, I, yeah, I, I, I people overuse the horn, and it's there should be a law against it. Agreed. I think New York City had a law against it, but obviously they don't enforce such a thing. Yeah, no, yeah, no. New York, it's almost like it's the law that you have to put honk. Yeah, I've had so many situations where I'm like, oh my God, I should have honked. But my reaction is not to honk. It's to get out of the way. Speaking of honking, what would you say is your biggest driving pet peeve? When other people do it? You mean like... like Just in general, what is something that really annoys you about other drivers? I think that not being able to merge thing is a big deal. Like, like I think when people don't understand how to merge onto a highway or something, I think that's a that's a big deal. Although, let me tell you another pet peeve that is not so much what people do. It's just they have tons of these in New Jersey circles. I hate circles. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I think they're just like accidents waiting to happen because most people don't understand the right of way. That's true. Principles in circles. I think circles are just like. Like they're they're people design them to get back in insurance companies <laughs> to make them pay more money in claims and payouts because circles I find so and so crazy. I totally agree with you. They recently installed a couple of circles around us, and there have been so many more accidents. People don't understand that there are other people entering, and there's supposed to be order, but obviously there is not. On a similar theme to pet peeves, have you ever had an instance where you experienced road rage, whether it was you who was experiencing road rage or someone who was having road rage towards you? Yeah. Okay. So, I, yeah, I get road rage when traffic is very bad. But I'll tell you a really funny road rage story. I This was years ago. I was in suburban Philadelphia. I mean, like probably almost 20 years ago or something. This guy was, um, I don't know what I did, but he was so off. He like cursed at me and beeped and gave me the finger and drove by. So I was like, what? What did this guy do? So I followed him all the way to his neighborhood. And finally he pulled over, got out of the car. I was like, what? What are you following me for? What? What? And I said, I got out of the car. I said, sir, I just, I don't know what I did to get that much ire and anger out of you, but I just wanted to apologize. I don't know why, what I did that was so upsetting, but I figured you look so upset that I should follow you and apologize. And he just was like, oh, oh it's okay. It's okay. Oh, 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 oh. He, he didn't know what to do. And he just got, oh, you're fine. You're fine. And he got by his car and drove away. <laughs> that's uh, that's one way to apologize. I... <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I did that, but I just was- Let me just I follow would... you. <laughs> yeah, that must have freaked him out a little bit that someone was following him. It did. It did. Yeah, hopefully after that, he'll think twice about his road rage. I don't know if that made a difference, but, you know. I do not think road rage is a healthy thing. It, I mean, it, it probably cuts years off your life. I mean, probably, right? There's been a lot of debate over the correct way to hold a steering wheel. So when you drive, how do you hold it? And what would you consider the right way to hold a steering wheel? I go with the old school 10 and 2 on a clock, like... You hold it at, 
your left hand's at the 10, your right hand's at the 2. But yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of different ways to do it. You know, I've seen people driving with their knees while eating a cheeseburger. No, that's probably not the safest thing in the world. <laughs> that's that's probably not uh, one of the proper ways. Right, but I think t- I'm a 10 and 2 guy. I know we talked about you liking to be a passenger over a driver, but when you do drive, do you prefer to listen to specific music or podcasts, or do you prefer to be silent? Uh, I'm always listening to stuff, and generally... I'm listening to podcasts or Howard Stern or public radio. I'm kind of a, unless I'm in a certain mood and, and want to listen to music, but I, I generally, am, I'm trying to, I'm always kind of, I'm kind of geeky and I'm always looking to fill my head up with content and ideas. And so generally it's kind of podcasts or public, a lot, a lot of public radio. Like I think public radio is still excellent for content sort of stuff. So yeah, in general, it's that kind of stuff. It's not a ton of music. Yeah. I mean, commuting is just a great time to learn something new. Yeah, yeah. And and again, with serious radio and po- and podcasts and stuff, you're not chained to, you know, like local radio stations, which is fantastic. Right. You have so many options. Now that we know what kind of driver you are, and thank God you're not some crazy speed demon, um, let's go back to how it all started. How would you describe your first time driving experience and who was it with? I don't know. I mean, forget my first. I mean, I remember I learned. It's funny because, I, again, back to the Volkswagens. My dad bought me a 77 Volkswagen Bug for 200 bucks to learn on. And it was like the first fuel-injected VW Bugs. I just remember I learned to drive on a stick, which was crazy. Um, so I had, like, I remember, but I like driving that car. Like, I remember driving it to school and stuff. And I, I really liked it. Like, I really enjoyed it. It was like, it was like the silver bullet. It was this little silver VW. It was like a silver bullet. It was awesome. So I kind I I liked that car a lot. Uh, although eventually the floorboards rusted out, so there's no floor. And then eventually, <laughs> you don't have luck with Volkswagens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I had a Volkswagen Rabbit that that died. I mean, yeah, I had bad I had bad luck with Volkswagens. But yeah, it was uh, it was it was pot- like my early. I mean, my dad was a pretty impatient guy, so he wasn't a great teacher, but I was good at figuring stuff out myself. So. And I think that, and it was a good experience. I mean, I think learning to drive on a stick was a really good experience, like, because I, it, I'm shocked at how many people just can't drive stick today, and I've always been able to drive a stick, so that's been good. Was it hard for you to learn having a stick as your first vehicle? I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure it was harder than automatic, but, I, but, it, was a, I, but it was good because I didn't know anything different. Right. It's definitely a good skill to have. So now you can practically drive any vehicle. Right. You can drive any vehicle because there's just sticker automatic. There's only two kinds, right? So yeah, you can drive anything. Have you ever had any driving fails when you were learning to drive? I think I got an accident in my second car. I think I like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was not beyond a learning learner at that point. But uh, although not when I was first learning. I mean, I, when I was first learning, I was pretty okay. And I had a good driver's ed teacher in high school and you know, that kind of thing. So I was, yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a pretty successful learning process, I would say. So going along with your first time driving, how would you describe your driving test experience and were you able to pass it the first time? First time, baby. Nice. <laughs> yeah, first time. Do you think you could pass that test today? And do you think that your state's driving test is easier than others? Yeah, I think I could... I could pass it. Yeah, I think I could pass it. I think I'm pretty knowledgeable. And you can parallel park. (laughs) Yeah, I could parallel park the shit out of it. Do you think that parallel parking should be a requirement on driving tests or is it okay that they're getting rid of it? 
I think I think you should have to do it blindfolded. Oh gosh, yes, it should be part of it. You're very passionate about parallel parking. I love it. I love it. I'm so into it. Should that be the only I'm method of parking? Fan. I'm such a fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. It'd be great if it was the only way you were allowed to park. It'd be fantastic. As you know, there are a lot of risks that come with driving. So have you ever experienced getting a ticket or getting pulled over? Ah, I've gotten so many tickets. Yeah, I've gotten a bunch of tickets. And I say always fight them because sometimes the cop doesn't show up. And like I've won in court a bunch of times just getting lucky. So I've, yeah, I've gotten several tickets and I've, I've, I've fought the law and most of the time the law has won, but, but I have won a few times myself. So, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that if the police officer doesn't show up, it usually helps your case. Just well, you win. I mean, if the cop doesn't show up, you win because there's no witness against you. Uh, and oftentimes, too, like the cop will take the points down. Like if it's a four-point ticket, they'll drop it to a two-point ticket or something. So I say if you've got the time, always go to court. You had mentioned that you had gotten in an accident. Yeah. Do you mind sharing that story with us? I think I was just driving too fast. I was young and I was going through like a foggy intersection and uh, and there were, it was wet and I hit a telephone pole. You weren't driving a Volkswagen, were you? I was. I was. <laughs> I no longer drive Volkswagens. <laughs> a lesson learned, right? Absolutely. So Tarajit, I don't know if she would uh, agree with this, but her vehicle has a love for deer. <laughs> She's gotten in so many accidents with deer. Have you ever had an encounter with an animal? I've never hit an animal, thank God. And I would feel so guilty because I'm such an animal lover that I think I'd feel terrible if I if I did that. Well, I don't think she did it on purpose. <laughs> well, I didn't hit the deer. It was more like it hit me, so it was the other way around. Yeah, <laughs> still, I feel bad. I feel like, oh my gosh, the deer had a death wish, was depressed, and I contributed to it. I, I should have, it needed to get help, and I... I ended its life. I couldn't handle it. Can't handle it. I've had a situation where there was a male deer. It was really big and he hit my car and then he stood up in front of my car and just stared at me. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, how dare you? <laughs> it was tough, huh? That's a tough yeah. deer. It's like super deer. <laughs> yeah. And he just stood there and stared at me and wouldn't move. Wow. That's a bull deer. Yeah. <laughs> Every time she tells me that story, it's just hilarious. In a stare down with a deer. <laughs> yeah, I don't picture deer being that aggressive or bold. They're usually kind of a timid, sort of demure creature. Obviously, they're not the ones that I encounter. No, you bring out this, you know, bring out the boldness in them. Apparently, we have a final bonus question for you. If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. One law. Uh, I feel like I would make like the Audubon, like I, you know, in the Audubon in Germany where there's like no speed limits on certain parts of the highway. Ah, uh, that'd be great. Oh, so you're a secret speed demon. <laughs> I just think it'd be fun. I, I had yeah, a feeling I, that. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but they're lucky. I almost want to say the kind, of, the kind of rebel in me wants to say I would, I would make it so there's no seatbelt laws anymore. But then I just think seatbelts save so many lives that that's irresponsible. We should have seatbelts. Yeah, you don't want to make that a law. Yeah, I would like to, but it's. I just know. I just know it would be dumb. I just don't like seatbelts, but I wear them. I thought that you would be like everyone must parallel park, but yeah, Audubon. <laughs> well, the Audubon's more fun. Yeah. Before we let you go, do you have any final thoughts or any tips for other drivers? I think every driver should be concerned about the energy crisis and fossil fuels, and we should get to the point where we all have electric cars, because that would be awesome, because it would save the environment. And we could do it through renewables and nuclear power, probably. 
there's the combination like Sweden has zero percent carbon emissions like they'd have no carbon footprint because they have hydroelectric and then they use supplement with nuclear power so if we had that we could all have electric cars not any gas so uh, that is a goal we should all strive for to save the planet that we need for us and our children and our children's 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 children <laughs> agree where can listeners find you yeah, and people can find me on Scott, Scott Kent Jones is all my social media, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Scott Kent Jones. I do a long-form interview podcast called Give and Take, which has a lot of different sort of guests on it. Again, I talked about the Atlas Project. I also do a show with an entrepreneur in California called Learning, Learning, Laughing, Loving, which we talk about sort of different growth mindset ideas and how you kind of succeed in business, life, relationships, that sort of thing, through the process of learning, laughing, and loving. So it's a great show. It's a new show that's kind of getting off the ground. So yeah, I mean, I think, but I mean, I think that the show that is most listened to that I do because it's got such a wide variety of guests is called Give and Take. And if you go to giveandtake.fireside.fm, you can find the show's landing page. And I think it's a pretty fun interview show where there's kind of something for everybody on it. It's, it's a variety of guests and it's super, super fun and interesting, I think. Of course, I'm going to say that though, because it's my show. No, it sounds really great. Be sure to check it out. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you say you don't do go on a lot of podcasts and... I don't. I don't because I always wonder because I think I'm a pretty good podcast host and I've probably done over 300 interviews over the past few years. And I worry that I'm not a good guest because I kind of know what a good guest is. And I think it takes a lot of art and work to be a good guest. So I, I generally am wary about being a guest. I, I, I like being the person that asks the questions. But your invite was so intriguing. And then I looked up your show and that was so intriguing that I was like, I just have to go on because I want to see what they're doing. So this is a great show and super curious and super interesting. And so I, I'm, I'm glad I did it. It's a, again, it's an example of a worthwhile exception to my you know, rules. We are super excited that you decided to join us today and we enjoy listening to all your crazy driving stories. I'm so glad. I'm really glad. That was fun. I can't believe he blew up three cars on the way to Florida and the fact that him and his friends were able to raise enough money to pay back the first guy by just retelling their road trip disaster story. That was such a different world back then. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you make it sound like he's so old. No, it was such like... a different world back then. <laughs> or you just go to people and be like, yeah, this happened. We blew up three cars and, you know, I, I this was my buddy's car. And so then they're like, oh, have some money. Yeah, here, we'll help you pay it off. <laughs> or very like... convincing as storytelling. They must have been a good storyteller, not convincing. I yeah, mean, they must have been very convincing as storytellers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, that's true. You have to be. <laughs> so if you were in that situation, what would you have done? I feel like after the first car blew up, I wouldn't. I feel like I would have been like, all right, this trip's over. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, this wasn't even my car. Oh, my God. OK, I shouldn't have even gone. Like, yeah, I would have took it as a sign of don't go. But they kept going and they got another Volkswagen after another Volkswagen. And it worked out for them. So, I mean, perseverance, right? Yeah. But by far, my <laughs> the thing that stuck out to me the most out of all of his stories was his passion for parallel parking. <laughs> yeah, I never met anyone who loved parallel parking so much. Like, I know people go to, like, amusement parks for that thrill. For Scott, I feel like all he needs to do to get that thrill is parallel parking. 
park. <laughs> I like parallel parking is like a great skill, very important, but I never would have thought about it like, oh my god, I absolutely love it. If I could choose any parking method, I would parallel park. Yeah. I would never go into a car and be like, all right, I'm ready to just go parallel park. Like, yeah. <laughs> I am so excited for or this. Or most people are like, let me go find a garage or let me go find a parking lot. And he's like, no, where's the parallel parking? Where is it? <laughs> he just scouts it out. <laughs> it's like, no, we're not parking in a garage. But hey. You see uh, that spot over on the side of the road? Yeah. Parallel park. But hey, apparently we're just not doing it right because then we would understand how awesome it truly is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I would still get the same enjoyment. <laughs> but I loved his message at the end about wanting to reduce the carbon footprint and saving the planet because, you know, it's our home. And without the planet, where would we be? So ominous. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. If you want to stay on this planet, if you want to have this planet for your future, like you and then the future generations, you have to take care of it. Otherwise, what's going to be left? Very true. I mean, other other countries have done it. So obviously it is possible and we should be able to do it too. We hope you enjoyed listening to Scott's story. And if you or anyone you know has any crazy or interesting driving stories and would like to come on as a guest, be sure to fill out the interest form on our website at drivewithuspodcast.com. And stay tuned until the end for a sneak peek of next week's episode where we are joined by Nikki and Brooke from My So-Called Whatever, where we talk creepy semi-truck drivers and a traumatizing drive to an NSYNC concert. Thanks for driving with us. Love this episode of Drive With Us? Leave us a review on iTunes or Podchaser and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Drive With Us Podcast. And now a sneak peek. That was like the first time I had like a full on anxiety attack. And that actually was the very last time I ever drove out of the state of Maine.